Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. Catch the podcast. You can find it at 989theanswer.com or theanswerdayton.com. Pam edits it every day, takes the commercials out, 20 minutes of content every half hour, and it's easy and free for you to access. Today is the 81st anniversary of the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. Uh, 2,400 American servicemen and women died in that attack. And the number who can give a first-hand account of it is understandably dwindling every year because if you were 17, and that was the youngest age you were allowed to serve in the military in that particular time, you would be 98 years old today, and many of the people who uh, still survive are more than 100 years old. Uh, Almost 1,200, almost half, of those who died in the attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, died in the bombing of the USS Arizona, which sank in the harbor and remains um, there to this day. Uh, I've had the good fortune to be able to visit the Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor, and it is extremely moving. And what I noted from being there is the silence of everyone who gets off the boat and stands on the memorial and looks into the water and can see the hull of the ship and know how many thou- how many how many hundreds of men uh, are interred there uh, a gentleman by the name of Robert John Lee was 20 years old at the time and was a civilian living a mile from the attack site his father had a job at Pearl Harbor. So he was one mile from the attack site, and he remembers the explosions at 7.55 a.m. when the Japanese began dropping bombs. He looked out his window, and he saw a bomb hit the Arizona, and the Arizona list to the side. And he said very shortly after that, sailors who had jumped off the ship to survive the ship's inevitable sinking, began swimming up to the shore near his home covered in fuel oil. He said he and his mother uh, cleaned them up using Fell's naphtha soap. I've never heard of that soap, but it must cut through oil. And the sailors who were cleansed and able to do so then boarded small boats that had been docked nearby because they lived on the water and rowed back to the attack site. I mean, unbelievable. The bravery, the valor, the courage, the camaraderie of men doing that, seeing 
to try how, to help. Just, just I yeah. mean, just to go back and and come to the aid of their uh, fellow soldiers. Uh, shockingly, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs does not have statistics on how many Pearl Harbor survivors are still living. Uh, but 16 million American soldiers who served in World War II, only about 240,000 were alive as of August, and some 230 die each day. So <clears throat> you think about that kind of devotion to country, okay? 81 years later... Uh, We have details today about a gentleman by the name of James Baker. James Baker was the top lawyer at the FBI when the election of Donald Trump set off alarm bells at the FBI. And they participated in the creation of and the advancement of the Steele dossier, which was a false story of Donald Trump cavorting with Russian prostitutes and the like to indicate that Donald Trump was under the control of the Russians. Uh, This actually was part and parcel of the Hillary Clinton campaign with the blessings of the top people at the FBI meant to undermine diminish, and if possible, cancel the presidency of Donald Trump before it could get off the ground. Contrast the bravery of the soldiers at Pearl Harbor to the treason of someone like James Baker. Well, Baker's crime eventually became found out that he pushed this and pushed this and pushed this. He went to the FISA court to get a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign using the Steele dossier as the authenticating reason for the FISA warrant. It was all a lie. He knew it was a lie. He violated how many standards of personal legal ethics and his oath as a government attorney because the ends justify the means. How many times have I told you that Democrats believe that the ends justify the means? Oh, Trump is an existential threat. We have to stop Trump. Yes, we have to bend the rules. Yes, we have to break the rules. Yes, we have to directly conflate things like, let's see, how many different things that we count on in America could you say have been cast aside by the effort by the FBI to undermine Donald Trump's election? And now as we fast forward, we find out James Baker, when he left the FBI, where did he go? I mean, you got a black mark on your record, right? You falsified a FISA warrant, the information to get a FISA warrant. Like, that would tend to be a career killer, I would think. Oh, no. No, not in our partisan age. You go get a great, big, fat, high-paying, major, influential job at Twitter. James Baker left the FBI and was hired as the top lawyer at Twitter where he proceeded to do exactly what he had done at the FBI, which was to cast aside, hmm, let's count them up, equal protection under the law? Yep. Freedom of speech? Yep. Marketplace of ideas? Yep. And the Democrats talk a lot about lead up to the midterms. What were they talking about? Why did you have to vote Democrat? Why did Joe Biden say you have to vote Democrat? Because if you didn't, it was a threat to democracy, right? A big threat to democracy. 
the, the survival of our democracy depended upon the election of Democrats. Well, you tell me, what's a bigger threat to democracy? The FBI, a government agency, putting its foot on the scale to make sure that Joe Biden gets elected president instead of Donald Trump? Or a Republican being elected as president of the United States and enacting laws and policies that have the backing of a free and fair election. What's a bigger threat to democracy? I would argue that the Biden FBI-sanctioned election of Joe Biden is a bigger threat to democracy. Again, Democrats will always tell you what they are up to by what they accuse Republicans of. They will always tell you exactly what they are doing by what they accuse Republicans of. So let's just put this whole Twitter files thing in perspective. James Baker, who was at the FBI and lied about information regarding Donald Trump in the Steele dossier to get the FISA warrant so that they could spy on Trump, birthed the Russia collusion hoax and untold millions of dollars spent on the Mueller investigation, which proved to be a big fat lie, a big fat nothing burger. Then James Baker lands at Twitter. And this is where I wonder, can I really trust Elon Musk? Because if Elon Musk is buying Twitter and he's spending billions of dollars, am I the only one who finds it suspicious that Elon Musk didn't ask, hey, who's the top lawyer at Twitter? I ought to get to know this guy. Like, I'm going to get to meet upper management, right? He fired a bunch of people. Well, yesterday, Elon Musk fired James Baker as the general counsel of Twitter. But not before... Two independent journalists, Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi, found out that the reason why the Twitter files that Musk released first on Friday, and there were supposed to be more coming on Sunday, and then they didn't come, and they didn't come, and they didn't come, and Barry Weiss placed a call to find out, hey, who's the person standing in the way of this stuff being released to us? Oh, well, it's our general counsel. His name's James Baker. And Barry Weiss is like, wait a second. You mean the James Baker who concocted the whole Trump collusion hoax? And put that in motion? Yes, one and the same. Well, Elon Musk fired James Baker yesterday. But I'm just sitting here wondering, why did this take so long? Why did Elon Musk not? Am I I to believe that you buy Twitter for multiple billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars, and you're going to release the Twitter files and you're going to try to blow the lid off collusion between the Biden campaign and the FBI and wokesters at Twitter? You're going to blow the lid off that. I presume that Elon Musk was just emailing that or sending that to Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss himself. Now I find out that Twitter's top lawyer, James Baker, a partisan hack for Joe Biden and the Democrats, was allowed to determine what got released and what didn't. I'm supposed to view that as like, oh, there was no way Elon Musk could know about that. Really? Really? I... I, can't get on board that. I find that highly, highly suspicious. So I'm fully aware that only about 11% of America is on Twitter. Pam, are you on Twitter? Uh, I am, but I don't use it very much. Okay. I, I was when I was on the air more. Most people over the age of 45, I'm going to say, are on Facebook. Most people. 
Uh, I'm not on Facebook hardly at all. I have a couple Facebook pages, but I don't monitor them on a daily basis. I I live too much on Twitter because Twitter's a great tool for preparing for the show. You get exposed to a lot of links to news sites, and you get exposed to a lot of media people and things like that. But I'm fully aware that only about 11% of America are on Twitter, is on Twitter. So Elon Musk exposing the collusion between the FBI, Twitter, and the Biden campaign in the Democratic National Committee, you start out with the high mountain of how do you get 90% of America to pay attention to this? And then you add to that the fact that New York Times, Washington Post, MSNBC, CNN, ABC, MSN. NBC and CBS are going to do little to nothing with the story. They're not going to further the story because they ignored the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, what's interesting is that all those networks have been spending a lot of time in the past four or five days reporting on Donald Trump talking about the Twitter files as a reason to basically depart from constitutional provisions as to how we elect presidents. So what Donald Trump says about the Twitter files release is major news on all the networks. But the actual content of what's disclosed by the Twitter files is not worthy of them reporting. Does that make sense to anybody? Does that lend credence to the presence of Trump derangement syndrome still among the major major networks? So I fully am aware that a lot of you who are driving around right now listening to this or listening to it on the podcast may not have any idea. Well, I don't really know what the Twitter files are because I don't have Twitter. All right, let me give it to you in Cliff's Notes version. Step one, the FBI had the Hunter Biden laptop a year before the New York Post published details about it. The FBI had it for a year. In that year's time, the FBI looked at the laptop could tell that the information on the laptop, and again, the, the the salacious details of Hunter Biden having sex and cocaine and this, that, and the other, that's not what is essential for you to know, and that's not what could, should, hang the presidency of Joe Biden. What should, and hopefully will, hang the presidency of Joe Biden is that details on the laptop about Hunter Biden's business dealings implicate Joe Biden as receiving tens of millions of dollars from entities headquartered in Russia, the Ukraine, and China. Joe Biden was the guy whose name Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's business partners were trading on to get these companies to do business with them. You think a Chinese billionaire in charge of a Chinese energy company is going to be duped by a crackhead sex addict like Hunter Biden? Oh, he seems like a solid guy to me. No. Oh, his dad is a former vice president of the United States, maybe a future president of the United States. Yeah, we probably ought to get in the inside of that particular deal and see where we might be able to take it. So in that year... Between the FBI getting the laptop and the New York Post writing about the laptop, the FBI was well aware of what was on the laptop, and they saw danger coming. Holy cow, Bernie Sanders is not going to get elected president over Donald Trump. Holy cow, Hillary Clinton, we already tried that. We got nobody else. Joe Biden's got to be the guy. How can we protect Joe Biden? I know. Let's invent a story that will go to all the big tech firms with 
saying, hey, watch out. You know, in 2016, the Russians interfered in the election. Never mind the fact that that had been disproven. They used it to undermine Donald Trump for the entirety of his term as president. Why not use it again? Worked once, right? Let's go back. Let's use it again. So they concoct this story. They go to big tech with it. And they say, hey, you got to watch out. Like this 2020 election's coming up and, and, and we're, we're getting intel. <laughs> wink, wink. We're getting intel that the Russians and the Chinese are going to offer a big story. And, and it might be about Hunter Biden. So be careful, because this is probably made up. Now, keep in mind that at this time, James Baker, who yesterday was fired as the top lawyer at Twitter, at that time was the top lawyer at the FBI. So where did that story come from? Oh, would James Baker have known about that story? You find that plausible? I find that plausible. So that's step two. FBI had the Hunter Biden laptop for a year. Step two, they concoct the story. Step three, the New York Post writes about the story. And the partisans at Twitter, who they really want Joe Biden to win, 99% of their political contributions go to Democrats. They, they're looking for a reason to censor this story. And so they do. And the Hunter Biden laptop story and the details about Joe Biden's business dealings don't get out. They don't get reported. Twitter tried to censor the story because it was, uh, 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 oh, hacked information, right? Oh, it's hacked information. Was it hacked information? No, it wasn't. It wasn't hacked information. The laptop was the property of the laptop repair shop owner because Hunter Biden drugged out, coked out, didn't go back to get it. You take a laptop in for repair, if you don't go in to get it after a reasonable amount of time, it becomes the property of the owner of the shop. So have you followed this now? The Democrats have a way of exonerating Joe Biden in this. Okay, let me let me play you. Let me play you the Democratic exoneration of Joe Biden. A guy named Siraj Patel. He worked for the Obama administration. He just ran for Congress as a Democrat out of New York. Here's the Democratic stiff arm to, ah, nothing to see here. Joe Biden, eh, it doesn't really matter. Joe Biden, no, 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 nothing to see here. Here's their rationale for saying that. You've got to be really careful here. Make sure that this is uh, not just a look backwards, um, you know, political witch hunt thing. When we talk about this as a First Amendment issue, let's just remember the First Amendment um, stops the government and government action from suppressing free speech. The President Biden was not a government official when uh, he was running for, for the presidency. He was a civilian. He was a candidate. He was. But James Baker was the top lawyer at the FBI. The FBI is a government office. The government cannot use a surrogate to stifle free speech. The FBI concocting the story and going to Twitter, creating a reason to silence a story they knew was coming because of the content of the laptop, is the government intervening to quash speech.